what is a relationship flywheel? Before we dive into that, I want to talk about human relationships. Every human relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, a romantic relationship, or a business relationship is built upon co-creation of value. If you stop creating value, the relationship eventually will fall apart because it won't make sense anymore. So that's what human relationship is all about. So if you can co-create value with people, with an audience, with a community, you build and nurture relationships. Hello, and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is a special episode in which I'm going to review with you four big trends that have grown in popularity in the marketing world in the past few years. The four trends are account-based marketing or ABM, podcasting for businesses, community for businesses, and demand generation or demand gen. These four things have something very unique in common that if you understand that something in common, which is it's all built around how to build, scale, and provide value through relationships, then you can do all these four things in a much more efficient way with a lot less resources, significantly improving the efficiency and the impact that your marketing team can have. So if you want to learn how to do demand generation combined with account-based marketing, combined with a podcast and community while not having a huge marketing team and still running it within the limited resources that you probably have, or if you want to understand how to implement this for your business, this episode is going to be absolute gold for you. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and this is a very special episode that I actually was planning to do for a while now. And finally, I had a call yesterday that gave me the kick in the behind. I needed to actually go ahead and record it. So this is going to be a solo episode. And we're going to go over four different trends that have been around in the marketing world in the last decade. And what do they have in common and how you can actually combine all of them with limited marketing resources and do it very successfully. And the trends we're going to cover are ABM, community building, podcast, and demand gen or demand generation. Before we dive into what they all have in common and how you can execute all of them at the same time very successfully while having limited resources, which for some people in marketing sounds impossible, probably for most people, I want to start with a little bit of history. And the history lesson is going to take us all the way back to when humans started roaming the earth, which is about a few million years ago, if you count any kind of human version. But if you look at us, Homo sapiens, it's about 300,000 years that the human like us appeared on the earth and started communicating and engaging with one another. And human civilizations that actually live together in specific places in larger groups, we're talking about 6,000 years. So still a very long period of time. And through this entire time, whether you're talking hundreds of thousands or just thousands of years, all of human trading 
and interaction and engagement was built around human relationships. It's people you knew that you brought them a chicken and you knew they can give you some other kind of food or some other kind of food or leather or anything else that you needed, but it's people that you knew that you had a relationship with and that you knew that you can trust that whatever exchange you're doing will be beneficial to both sides. Our DNA as humans is rigged to base human business interactions based on trust and human relationships. This is how we are. And this was 100% true and the only way people did business until the 1900s. So the first time there was any business-related interaction or engagement that did not include a human relationship was the first radio ad. And the first radio ad happened in August of 1922, which is almost exactly 100 years ago. And this was the first time that there was a business influence in something that was other than a human direct relationship. That was followed by in July of 1941 with the first aired commercial on television, right? So that was the first time there was a new medium that now provided video and not just audio as a way to attract people to a specific business. By the way, that business that aired that first ad is still in business today, which is mind-blowing because we're talking about 1941. And then, you know, this kind of media grew obviously a lot in scale over the 1900s and into the 21st century. But the next big evolution in how we communicate and engage with people, including for business, happened when social media was established. And if you really want a very quick timeline on social media, the first quote-unquote social network was Six Degrees, and that was founded in 1997, so way earlier than we all know. The second thing that most people know is Friendster, which was in 2002, and then MySpace, which those who are my age around actually remember, which is 2003, and all of these were taking over and And all of these were taken over by Facebook, which actually was born, if you, and which was actually was born as the Facebook and actually in the beginning as FaceMash, if you've watched the movie about Zuckerberg and, and if you watch the movie about Mark Zuckerberg and the network, <clears throat> if you watch the movie about Mark Zuckerberg, and if you watch the movie about Mark Zuckerberg and, <clears throat> And if you watch the movie about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, you know that he founded it in 2003 in his dorm as the face mash, which then turned to the Facebook, which then in 2005 turned into Facebook. And this really has changed everything. In parallel to that, we had LinkedIn that was a business-oriented social network. And these were ways, again, in the beginning to build relationships, both on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Initially, it was all about building relationships with people, which again, serves the broader goal of creating value for other people as a way to engage with them and get value back. But in 2005, LinkedIn introduced ads. It was the first time there was ads on a social media network and then followed in 2007 by Facebook, which all of you now thinks that Facebook ads always existed, but they haven't. It was just started in actually November of 2007. And at the same time, we started to see more and more digital marketing schemes that allows us to sell through digital aspects, if you want, circumventing the need to build relationships. And this became more and more extreme in the teen years of the 2000s, so 2012, 2014, and so 2012, 13, 14, and on, 
where more and more platforms were being built that enabled people who want to sell online to play tricks based on psychology in order to quote unquote, convince people to buy from them in various ways of freebies and downloads and funnels and tripwires and upsells and cross-sales and all these kind of different methodologies that a lot of marketers use in the world today that really took us away from relationships as being the base for transactions and long-term growth. A great example for that is ClickFunnels, right? ClickFunnels founded by Russell Bronson in 2014. Russell is brilliant, maybe one of the smartest salespeople, digital salespeople who ever lived. He built ClickFunnels as a way to allow other people to build these really sophisticated, high-converting funnels that, again, put relationship outside of the equation and work on psychological mechanisms like scarcity and urgency and stuff that drives people to action versus, I know who you are. I know what value you're providing. I want to do business with you, and I want this to be a long-lasting relationship. So... This is kind of like a quick history. We were rigged in our DNAs as humans to do business based on relationships. And then digital marketing came and changed all of that to the point that a lot of people forgot that it's all eventually relationship-based. That being said, through this time of extreme growth of digital marketing, there has been other trends that have accelerated dramatically in the last few years of other ways to do marketing that is not digital traditional marketing that is not digital marketing or not even traditional marketing. The first one I want to talk about is ABM or account-based marketing. So those of you who do not know what account-based marketing is, the idea behind account-based marketing is that instead of marketing to a segment and try to get your message out there and sharing your knowledge and sharing your message with a large group of people in order for some of them to be interested, go into a funnel and slowly come down into a few people that might actually do business with you, it kind of flips it on its head. It said, let's take a short list of the people who are our dream clients that we really want to do business with, learn everything that we can about them, what they like, what their preferences are, what they like, how they like to do business, which sports team they like, what is their favorite food, and then build a marketing campaign specifically around them, their wants, their needs, their knowledge, and the way they see the world. The disadvantage is you're putting all your eggs in very few baskets. The advantage is that you're focusing all your marketing energy and resources into something that is A, your dream client, and B, because you're focusing that well, a higher chances of conversion. So you get higher conversion rate and better returns. So the concept for that was actually born many years ago in 1993 in a brilliant book that's called The One-to-One Future that was published by Peppers and Rogers. And the book really focuses about the change in the future of marketing from being one-to-many to being one-to-one. And the idea is to find, again, the short list of people that are most likely to be your most loyal and present the best profit opportunity to you, collaborate with them. So instead of selling to them, collaborate with them one at a time in order to co-create value as a way to grow your business and their business and nurture relationships with these customers by relying on one-to-one communication. The account-based marketing phrase was coined was in 2003 by ITSMA. And then in 2012, they introduced the first marketing certification for ABM. But really, ABM became a thing in the mid-teens, like I said before, when companies like Terminus was established by Eric Spett and, and The Sixth Sense was established in 2013 by Jensen Zentak. There's another company that's pretty large in that field 
that is called uh, that is called demand based, and it was actually established by Chris Golick in 2007. But again, started to gain a lot more traction when the other two companies was established. So we're talking about 2013, 2014, and then obviously took these companies a few years to gain traction. But these are technological tools that allows companies to do ABM in a much more effective way, and that obviously accelerated the growth, the awareness, and the adoption of ABM across companies around the world. So that's ABM. But we said there's going to be four methodologies we're going to talk about. One was ABM, the other was podcasting, the third was community, and the fourth was demand gen. So following the order, let's go to podcasting for business. So again, let's start with a little history. First of all, the term podcast came out for the first time in 2004 by a journalist called Ben Hammersley in an article for The Guardian. And he predicted that this new concept of, if you want, micro radio is going to take over and grow in the world. And the reason he was talking about it is because blogging was becoming really popular, production software was becoming cheap and available, and MP3 players became a thing. So in his eyes, the future had to do with this micro radio future. And he came with a few different terms for that, either audio blogging or podcasting or guerrilla media. And podcasting is the one that caught up and actually stayed and survived from that article. But what really made the difference was that in 2005, Apple in iTunes 4.9 actually enabled the option to have native support for podcasts. And as we know, the rest is history. But it took a very long time to get broad adoption for podcast listenership. And the first time that US population crossed 50 million podcast listeners was only in 2018, again, when podcasts started in 2005. But since then, it's more than doubled. So the adoption rate in the general population for podcasts accelerated dramatically in the past few years. And with it, the adoption of businesses who want to put out their message, connect with their audience, share their point of view, and so on. But why would a business want a podcast? Well, first and foremost, it enables you to engage with your target audience. It enables you to educate them on the problem that you are there to solve. So if you can age, educate people on the problem, they become aware of the problem, and then they assume you have the solution, they're going to check you out. And if you actually have a solution, then they're more likely to do business with you. The other thing is develop relationships. Yes, it's a one-way relationship where they just listen to you, but the fact that you're in their head listening through their headset multiple times makes them feel like they know you and that they can trust you with the stuff that you say and hence the stuff that you do, which increases the chances of them becoming your client. Because of growth in adoption, multiple agencies have popped up everywhere who help businesses launch podcasts. Some are better than others. A few books were written about the topic. The latest one that is actually a very good one that is worth mentioning is The Founder Brand by Dave Gerhardt who has written a book about he helped tech startup grow dramatically, leveraging a podcast that was led by the founder of the company. So like I said, the book is called Founder Brand, definitely a recommended reading. That being said, there's a few disadvantages of podcasting, and I'm going to cover them in the second half of this episode. So now we've covered ABM and we covered podcasts. And the next on the list was communities for businesses. The idea of having a community as part of a motion to grow a business has been around for a very, very long time. If you want to take it back to old school, Tupperware is a great example, right? Tupperware is a community of people who share the passion to better storage and kitchen organization or organization in general 
And that led and drove the growth of Tupperware to become what it is. The, no, the more known examples are obviously from the tech industry and big tech companies like Salesforce with their Dreamforce conference and their entire community that drives that of multiple people around the world who are sharing best practices of Salesforce, HubSpot with their inbound event and with their inbound marketing certification and their community of people who are sharing HubSpot best practices, Zapier with their community of millions of people sharing how they do Zaps, what they do, how they're leveraging it, solving problems and, and so on. Another very interesting example from the tech world of a company who've leveraged a community in order to grow the business extremely fast is monday.com, which is a team and task management software, but their community is startups for startups, basically helping startup, basically putting startup people together to try to help each other, but it's under the Monday umbrella. And another one that is worth mentioning in the tech world is ClickFunnels with their funnel hackers and funnel hacking live. This is the closest thing that I've seen to our religion in a community that is really very active of a huge group of hardcore evangelist of a specific company without being associated or affiliated with it, but just really believing in the message and the value and the point of view and the product and sharing it everywhere and promoting it and growing it. But it's not limited just to the tech world. You know, you have Lululemon who has its community of ambassadors who help grow the brand, who help people understand the value and the benefits of using Lululemon products. And so it really works everywhere. Now, why does it work? It works because community provides a source of immediate feedback to these companies on new products, new services, new messages. It provides huge value when it comes to reducing acquisition costs because of social proof, because of people are already bought in through the community before they actually talk to the company. It reduces customer service because the community actually answers a lot of the questions that other users have. It increases lifetime value because people want to stay a part of the community. If you own a Harley, the chances you're switching to another motorcycle are very, very small because you're going to lose all your friends. So you will stay within that environment. People want to stick with their community where they feel that they belong, where they feel there's shared purpose and shared ideas and ideology, they will stay. So if you can build that around your business, you will increase lifetime value and will reduce churn of your clients. And the last marketing motion that I want to cover is demand generation or demand gen for short. This again has been around for a very long time, but the person who has put this on a pedestal and is shouting it from rooftops and that a lot of people are following in the past few years is Chris Walker from Refine Labs. And the idea behind demand gen is that most of what we do in digital marketing is capturing demand. What does that mean? It means somebody who's landing on your website looking for your services, got there because they did something before that. And I'm not talking about Googling you and finding your business. And then if you look on how they found you, it shows organic traffic or search traffic or some kind of an affiliate. The question is, what did they do before they Googled your website? How did they even know to go and look you up? What they did is they did research in some other way. They listen to podcasts, they read blogs, they participate in specific forums, they go on open Slack channels, they participate in different communities that talk about the topics that they're interested in and that they're trying to make decisions on. And that's how they know about you, they learn about your service, they know how you're different. When you look at most of what we do in digital marketing, it's capturing demand, is knowing how to track and how to engage with people 
who already found us or already understood that we have a solution for the problem that they have. But that's the end of their journey. We're missing out on the whole stage where the people are in research mode or not even that, not even aware that they have a specific problem that you know how to solve. But if you're there where they are, meaning where they listen to podcasts, in the forums they read, in the communities they participated in and provide value and educate them, you're generating a demand for the solution that you are providing. And this approach is significantly more impactful than capturing demand. So yes, you still need to capture the demand because otherwise there's no point. But in means of focus, you need to probably focus 80% of your efforts in generating demand and 20% of your effort in capturing demand. And one of the reasons, by the way, this is not trivial, is that we became completely addicted to tracking marketing data. So digital marketing did something that we almost did not have before, which is the ability to actually track everybody that comes to our website, everybody that clicks on landing pages, everybody that touches us on social media. The problem with that is that, again, it's tracking the capture of the demand. And so generation of demand is very hard to track because if somebody heard you on a third-party podcast, there's absolutely no way for you to track it. If somebody has listened to your podcast, you almost have no way to track it. And so, so all these motions that generate demand are very, very hard to track. Why is that? Two reasons. One, it's separated from you, right? It happens on platforms that you don't own. So it happens on a podcast player that Apple owns or some other company owns. It happens in a Slack channel where somebody's going to say, oh, I heard Isar speak about this thing and it's amazing. You should check this out. There's no way for you to know that. So it's not in a platform you own. But the other reason you can't track it is that most of the tracking tools we have today are built by companies who have a vested interest to track the things they want you to track them. I'll give you a personal example for me. I used to run a large travel company, had a large budget to spend, and I would look at attribution of where my spend obviously makes the most amount of sense and gives me the highest ROI. And I would compare Google attribution and Facebook attribution for Facebook traffic, and it would show different results. And the reason is Google wants to show you that Google provides you better results for the money. And Facebook wants to show you that Facebook provides you better results for your money. And so we are allowing these platforms to be the judge of which platform is better as well as the platform itself, which makes absolutely no sense. So the whole tracking system beyond the fact it doesn't track the full process, but just the end of the process is completely rigged to support not you, but the platform itself in, that you're using in order to track what you're doing. So generating demand requires this leap of faith that educating your audience and providing them value will lead to more sales, lower cost of acquisition, lower churn in the future. And it does, but again, it requires this leap of faith and understanding that it's not straightforward to track. How can you still track it? If Every time you have the first engagement with a client, whether it's a form they fill up on the website to meet with you, or whether they have the first call with you, ask them, how did you hear about us? And they will tell you as qualitative data, I heard you on this podcast. I saw you speak on that stage. I have read an article that mentioned you in this and that, in this and that forum. So if you generate demand and then you ask people how they heard about you, they will tell you 
how they heard about you. For our company, the time this podcast is being recorded, so probably once it goes live, it's already behind, we're about to onboard four to five clients in the next few weeks. And each and every one of those clients found us through one of those channels. So they were referred to us by somebody who heard our content. They were referred to us by somebody who is a client of ours, already understands what we do very well. They were referred, they found us through content that we're distributing. They found us through us being interviewed on somebody else's podcast. A hundred percent of the next few clients that are going live on Be The Stage found us through the stuff that we do. In the beginning of the episode, I told you that ABM, community creation, podcasting, and Imagine all have the same thing in common, which is why they're successful. And the thing that they have in common is it's all built around human relationships and providing value. If you think about it, ABM is 100% finding very specific people, connecting with them, providing value to them so they understand your point of view, so they want to do business with you. So that's ABM. If you think about podcasting, is about building that relationship with people and educating them and providing them value. If you think about community, same thing. You develop a community so people have a better understanding and feel a part of the journey of you and your company through human relationships. And demand gen is the same thing. It's still about how do you connect with people in earlier stages of their journey so that they feel that they connected with you, that they know you, that they trust you, that they understand what you're all about. So then they come looking for you because they understand that you solve the problem that they have. So now you're asking yourself, okay, so what? So these things all have the same thing in common, which is relationship building and value providing to your target audience. Big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal because once you understand that, you can merge them all together in a way that is a lot easier to execute than just executing each and every one of them on their own and enjoying the benefits of each and every one of them and then some without sacrificing a crazy amount of resources. And we call this methodology the relationship flywheel. So what is a relationship flywheel? Before we dive into that, I want to talk about human relationships. Every human relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, a romantic relationship, or a business relationship is built upon co-creation of value. If you stop creating value, the relationship eventually will fall apart because it won't make sense anymore. So that's what human relationship is all about. So if you can co-create value with people, with an audience, with a community, you build and nurture relationships. What we do for ourselves and for our clients at Be The Stage we create an online live talk show that happens once a week in which a company can co-create value with the community that it builds around it. And in the beginning, the community is very small, but the process is the same process. You invite them to your show, they participate in the process, and you're co-creating value, which creates these relationships and nurture existing relationships so people feel closer and closer to you as a person and to your brand and to your company. But if you record that interaction, if you record that live show, now you can go and create content out of everything that you created. That content will be valuable because it's created around the topics that are interesting and by the people who actually are the target audience and that want to consume it. So now you have lots of valuable content that you can distribute in relevant watering holes. So, which means 
where your target audience actually roams. This could be social media, this could be YouTube, this could be specific forums, this could be communities they're already in. But you need to know where your audience is, and then you can plant all these different seeds in all these different pots. So you're magnifying the impact of what you're doing on a much, much, much larger scale. Once you do that, more people find out about you. They join your weekly show, which allows you to co-create more content with more people, which nurtures more relationships, which allows you to create more content, which allows you to attract more people. And the relationship flywheel spins on and on and on, creating more and more momentum, which means it attracts more people faster while you actually not having to increase your input into the whole process like any other flywheel. So now that you have a general understanding of what is a relationship flywheel and how it works, let's go back to ABM podcast, demand gen, and building a community. So the ABM play here is very, very simple. Once you try to do an ABM play, you still need to somehow engage with the people that you're trying to target. So you've done your research, you know what they, you know who they are, you know what they care about, you know what the problem that they have, you know what they like, you know their approach, you know everything about them. You still need to start a conversation with them and provide value to them somehow in a way they would want to engage with you. Having your own show is the ultimate way to do that. Because if you cold call somebody or cold message them on LinkedIn or anywhere else, 19 out of 20 people will not even respond. Or they will say, no, thank you, I'm not interested. But if you have a show and you're going to invite them to the show as an expert of the industry on the topic they are really an expert on, 19 out of 20 people will say yes. To be more specific, it's actually a lot more than 19 out of 20 because we've been doing this for two years for multiple companies, including our own couple of shows. And in those two years, we had maybe two or three people who refused to come as expert on a show. So this enables you to have a one-to-one -one conversation with that person that you're trying to develop a relationship with while making them the expert, putting them on the stage, sharing the stage with them in front of an audience that you have and making them feel great about the stuff that they're good at, which again is an amazing first step in building a relationship. You can also steer the conversation in the direction that will make them understand your point of view and hence be more interested in what you're doing and wanting to at least know what you're doing and see if it can help them. So that's the ABM play of it. Then we talk about a podcast. We talked about the benefits of the podcast and taking the live show and recording it immediately enables you to do very little minimal editing and you have a podcast just by repurposing what was said in the conversation that happened during the live show. Going back, I promised you earlier, I'm going to talk about some of the disadvantages of a podcast. So we talked about the benefit of having and building relationships. The problem with relationships is that it's hard to scale relationship building, which means every time you want to build a relationship, you need to invest time with people and time is the only resource we can get more of. So Doing a podcast, while it allows you to connect with people, while it allows you to connect with your guests and build a relationship with them, every hour you invest goes to that one person that you're hosting. But if you're doing the show live and you have an audience in the crowd and people are like, oh, I need a huge audience to make an impact. What if only four people show up? Only four people. But you really make them feel that they're a part of the show. You let them ask questions. You know them by name. You give them nicknames over time. You create rituals that they participate in. Each of them feels like they got an hour 
of your time. So instead of one person feeling that they got an hour of your time and you're building a relationship with, now you have five. So you've 5X'd your relationship building outcome while investing the same effort. One of the amazing reasons why a live show is better than just having a podcast. And again, I'm a podcaster myself. I'm the last person that's going to say anything bad about podcasting. But there's the next step that brings you a lot of benefits. And the next benefit that it provides is really that it's planting the seed and becoming the force behind building a community, which is the other marketing motions that we talked about. So we already talked about all the benefits of having a community, but a few of the things a community needs is shared purpose, shared language, a place to congregate, rituals, and you can achieve all these things by having a weekly show. People show up, you develop rituals, you develop nicknames, you develop camaraderie, and it becomes initially the source, if you want, the seed of the community, and then it becomes the engine behind the community as it grows, because that becomes a place where your biggest cheerleaders, where your real ambassadors aggregate, talk, and geek together every single week. And the last aspect that this serves is obviously demand gen, because now you can take this content, repurpose it, and distribute it on all the channels where your target audience lives while providing them value that comes from you, comes from the community, and comes from the guests that you host. So you're providing extremely high value education and content exactly to the people you want to serve in multiple ways, in multiple channels, all sourced with that one action of one hour a week of having a live show with your audience. So let's do a quick summary. Digital marketing was all about capturing demand and evolved into a way to trick people into doing business with you in too many cases. That being said, the history of humankind shows that human interactions and human business engagement is built on relationships. Research shows that when business is based on relationships, it's longer lasting and provides higher lifetime value and lower cost of acquisition. So if you want to combine account-based marketing with having your podcast, with building a community, together with demand gen actions, and you don't want to develop five different marketing teams, what you need is to create your own relationship flywheel. Start a weekly live talk show and figure out who are the people you need to interview in order to provide value to your audience, what content you need to generate that will provide the most amount of value and education to that audience, and then repurpose that content and distribute it in the places where your target audience lives, and you'll be investing very little amount of time and achieving the goals and the, through methodologies of ABM, podcast, community creation, and demand gen. If you have any questions, absolutely please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Isar Metis, I-S-A-R-M-E-I-T-I-S. I would gladly answer any question that you have on this. And until next time, have an amazing week. If you've been following this podcast, you know this is not my standard format. I usually interview people and every now and then I do one of these solo episodes and I would really love your opinion of whether you want me to do more of that. Did you find this episode valuable? Did you like the format? Did you like the content? And so I would really appreciate it if you go on LinkedIn and find me, Isar Metis, I-S-A-R-M-E-I-T-I-S, and drop me a note and say, I listened to episode 140 of the Business Growth Accelerator podcast and here's what I think. Whether it's good or bad, I would really love to hear your opinion. 
and it will allow you to hear more stuff that you would like to hear in the future of this podcast. So I would appreciate if you invest a few minutes and do that. If you want to learn more about the specific strategy that I shared about the relationship flywheel and how it's working and a lot of the details in it, you should check out episode 132. It is a recording of a keynote speech I gave at the CLIX Summit, and it's called How We Made $40 Million for Our Client from a Weekly Live Talk Show, a Business Case and Playbook, where I review how one of our clients grew their sales by $40 million a year by implementing the Relationship Flywheel Strategy. And I do a business case analysis combined with a step-by-step review of the strategy, which means you can get a great understanding of why it works and also how you can implement it in your business. And until next time, have an amazing week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now.